Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Welcome, friends, and thank you for listening to today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. I'm Mark Cravens, your host, and it's a joy to have you with us today as we interview a very wonderful young woman, Heather Carter, who is going to be sharing her story in just a few moments. But before we do that, I just want to thank all of you for listening, and I want to thank all of you who have been responding and sending me your email account and so that I can put you on our newsletter mailing list. So if you haven't done that yet, please go to our website at hopealongthejourney.org. That's hopealongthejourney.org. And give us your email, and we'd love to put you on our newsletter mailing list. So glad to have you today, Heather. Welcome to Hope Along the Journey. Well, thanks for having me, Mark. I've been looking forward to this for a while. We talked quite a while ago, actually, and uh, we've both been really busy since then. And <laughs> Life's been a little bit like a moving target, you know, and but here we are for better or worse. Here we are today. So, yeah, so glad to have you. And for those of you who don't know who Heather is, she is a soul selfie author. I want you to explain that here just a little bit. Okay. She helps <laughs> others harness hope through the trauma, drama, and minutiae, get that right there. I got to get that. That always gets my tongue tied of everyday life, the minutiae of everyday life. And you're also a wife. You're a realtor. You wear a lot of hats, don't you? Yes, I do. That's great. <laughs> I think we all do. So I guess I'm mean, probably in good company. Yes, absolutely. I get that. Absolutely right. Tell us what you mean by a soul selfie author. Well, um, I have two books out. And we'll kind of get to how the first one came about in a little bit here. But okay. um, I, they're called Soul Selfie because a few years ago, um, I was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. And while I was in the hospital, I started writing a blog. And that slowly, it, it started off just updating people on the status of my cancer, but it morphed into the status of my soul. And I just started doing sort of a daily reading type of blog. And now I have probably four, 400 or more blogs um, to date, but the first 120 are in the first book called Soul Selfie. And then the second 120 are in my new book, that's Soul Selfie, hashtag no filter, the next chunk of blogs. And the idea really is that when I was in the hospital and during that journey, I felt God was saying to me, Heather, you are a full-time job. You need to stop focusing on everybody else and they're looking at their behavior and either judging it or trying to imitate it and just flip that camera back around on yourself. Look at what you got going on in there and then use what I teach you, um, share it with others, not just imparting, not to impart wisdom, but just really to go first, to share my broken places and my vulnerable places so the other people know they're not alone in their struggles 
yes. and that there's always hope. That's great. And, and that's so meaningful. Uh, it's amazing how when we're transparent about our issues, our struggles, mm-hmm. how, how much it, it, it frees other people to be able to really listen to what we have to say. And I've always said you never lose when you are authentic and genuine about who you are and the struggles right. you face. You lose, you may lose a little bit of your uh, ego and your pride, but <laughs> you don't ultimately lose in the ways that God that's, views that's losing right. that's and right. winning. You know? Well, let's get, let's get to know Heather a little bit. So tell us, First of all, tell us a little bit about you and your early life and just kind of fill in some of the, the gaps there to, to, of who you are and where you came from, a little bit of your background. Okay. Uh, well, I currently live in Springfield, Illinois, and, um, but I grew up all over the West Coast, Washington, Oregon, Montana, uh, California, and in California, I... At our church there, I met the boy who is now my husband. His dad was the pastor there. And um, he, after we graduated, he went to school at Ozark Christian College. And I followed him there. (laughs) Figured there's really no hope for us if I stay in California. So I thought, well, I'll give it a shot, see how it goes. And then now we've been married for 30 years. So I guess it went okay. Yeah, congratulations. Um, so we moved to Springfield for my husband to go to Lincoln Christian college to get his master's degree. And while we were here, he started working at a church in town. And then about the time he graduated, the senior pastor resigned and, uh, my husband took over. And then 20 years later, we were still there. So we are, he is not in full-time ministry right now. So I just kind of keep trying to nudge us back to California. I just keep shipping my kids out there Two of my kids live out there, but so far I'm still straggling behind. Uh, you uh, think the West coast is the best coast. Is that what you think? I do. Gotcha. I, it's imprinted on my soul. So even though I lived here 20 years, I just, I love my friends. I love my community, but I, I just feel like this doesn't feel like my home, you know, yeah. the smells of the West coast and, um, the culture just makes me feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Well, I hope if it's in God's will that somewhere you you guys will jump on a train and you'll make it out there. I hope one so. Of these we days. have to live on a train too, because or someone's garage because it's so expensive. <laughs> That's true. That is true. I some friends that are considering moving out there, and it's just like they tell me what rent is going for, and it's like you got to yeah. be kidding me. Yeah, what? it's bad. But luckily, I only have just me and my husband now. So we really could live in someone's garage. So any of y'all listening yeah. have an empty garage for <laughs> on the West Coast. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> We're on it. We're your people. Do you have any grandchildren yet? Not yet. Nope. My oldest is um, engaged. And then I have a 21-year-old um, son and a 20-year-old daughter. So, Well, if those grandkids show up and they're out West, I'm just mm-hmm. telling you what. There'll be no holding you back. Right. That's what I'm counting on. My oldest does live in California. So, you know, maybe a couple of years, I will have a good excuse. That's maybe great. I could be the nanny. They could just let me live there or something. One more little thing. I warned you about this. So don't, don't yeah. act like you weren't warned. Okay. Yeah. I told you that I was going to want ask you, like, what's the little known fact 
about Heather Carter that maybe a lot of people don't even know? Um, well, so I was going to say a couple things, but they're not that exciting. Like I used to play, I played the violin from fourth grade till high school. And I actually got in a youth symphony up in Yachtville, California. And then I was way too cool to play the violin. So I didn't do it. And now I'm mad at myself (laughs) because now I can, I still have a violin, but it's over in the corner over there. And it, my fingers don't cooperate with what used to be in my head. So that's, (laughs) that's the thing I was thinking. And some people know that. The other thing I was thinking that's more of a quasi serious thing, but I rescued my husband out of the ocean once Once. you only have to do that once so we were in naples and i was you know just the timing of god's uh you know god had this planned because i was luckily i didn't have my headphones in which i usually do when i'm on the beach and i was reading a book and we hadn't my husband and my oldest son were heading out to a sandbar and my husband somehow got turned around a little bit and confused about where he was so he decided to come back in, but he didn't have enough oomph to get all the way back in. And so I was sitting there, I kind of kept hearing this mild, little tiny, help, help, every once in a while. And oh I kind of oh ignored it. And then all of a sudden I looked up at, from my book and s- saw him backstroking. And then I could kind of hear him yelling help once in a while. So I had to oh, wow. send my youngest two down to get the lifeguards at way down the beach so they're running for their lives thinking their dad's going to drown. And I swam out there and pulled him in, but I couldn't touch. So I, I probably pulled him. I don't know how long it was. felt like a long time, but um, I was just about where I thought I can't do this. We're both going to drown. And then all of a sudden I could touch. So I pulled him in and my oldest son, he's hilarious. He's already on the sandbar flipping around doing cartwheels. He has no clue. So the rest of the day, the rest of us are traumatized because he almost drowned and the kids were sent to get help. And my eldest is like, what's the matter with all you people? Because kind of dramatic, you know? Yeah. So. so anytime you ask a favor and he looks at you like he doesn't want to do it, what do you know. do? You start doing the backstroke or something and it just yeah, like, to remind oh. him. Yeah. Well, you know, when I had leukemia, we'll talk about that later. He did kind of prompt the doctors to do a pre- give me a shot that really did save my life. So I feel like we're kind of even now. All right. We both had a chance to, you know, just, I could have just stuck my headphones in and yeah. That's, yeah, ignored he was very it. He could have just not brought that up, but now I think we both don't have any, you know, you had your chance <laughs> to let, let me go. Oh, that's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that, Heather. <laughs> and in just a moment, we want to, we want to talk about your battle with leukemia here in, in just a moment. But before we do that, I do want to thank our sponsor for today's Hope Along the Journey episode, and that is Ryan's Auto Sales, R-I-N-E-S, Ryan's Auto Sales, located in Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. My good friend, Dwight Ryan, uh, owns this business. It's a family-friendly business, and he has a beautiful selection of used vehicles and people from all over contact him and go out there and purchase vehicles. He's a great guy. He's an honest fella, and he's located in Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. And Dwight, I really appreciate you underwriting uh, our hope along the journey today. If you would like to reach him, you could go to his website and look over his beautiful vehicles there at rhinesautosales.com. That's R-I-N-E-S, rhinesautosales.com. 
or give him a call at 570-966-2277. So, Heather, back to your story now. We've, we've kind of touched it a few times, and we've, mm-hmm. we've kind of let people know where, uh, where we're going. But let's get into the story of what happened in 2015, the life-changing battle that you faced mm-hmm. with leukemia. Yeah, I had actually been having some symptoms for a little while, but nothing major. They act, they had diagnosed me with rheumatoid arthritis, hmm. which was wow. definitely not it, but they couldn't figure anything else out because with acute myeloid leukemia, the acute part, part of it is that you can only catch it in a very tiny window of time. So even though I was having some symptoms, the blood work was not presenting leukemia. So they were treating me for something entirely different, but about the week before I went to um, a week or two before I was diagnosed, I went to California to see my family. And since they all still about there and on my, while I was there, I hit my leg on a chair. And by the time I got home, there was a hematoma about the size of a grapefruit on my leg. And wow. I actually, I think I still have a bruise there. It's been seven years. Um, and both my forearms were bruised from just resting my arm on the airplane uh, armrest, which I thought didn't seem like very good. <laughs> and really the timing of it that God helped me catch that is so miraculous. There's very a lot of details that people probably don't really want to know about, but I had virtually given up trying to figure out what was wrong with me. And at the last minute, a friend of mine got together with me for coffee and said, her son used to have ITP, which is a blood disease. She said, you might want to look into that. So I researched and thought, this is it. This is what I have. And I demanded, um, I called my doctor to say I need to get tested for this. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's something. I was, I was at a house. I used to clean and paint for my job before I did real estate. Okay. I was at this guy's house cleaning. And I remember thinking, um, because one of the things leukemia does is it tanks your red blood cells. So you, you don't have any oxygen in your blood. So when I was in California, I went on a hike and I could barely walk 20 feet without feeling like I'd run a marathon. And I just thought, Oh, well that's because I'm out of shape because I have rheumatoid arthritis. So I didn't really put it together. But at this house, I thought, I wonder if he'll notice if I don't vacuum because I don't think I can get the vacuum up the stairs. I was 45 years old. I thought, this is stupid. I I called my doctor and asked if I could see him. And they said, well, he can see you next Wednesday. And it was, this was a Thursday. And I said, that's fine. And she said, you know what though? Hold on a second. Let me check on something because of your heart rate. Let me see if he can see you sooner. So I waited on hold and waited and waited. And finally I hung up because she never came back. Well, she called me back and said, he'll see you tomorrow. So I went in the next day at 11, got blood work by four o'clock. They called me and told me over the phone, here are your numbers, your blood counts. This is indicative of leukemia. We have a bed for you. You need to come here immediately. Wow. So at four o'clock, I got a phone call by five o'clock. I was sitting in a hospital room and, uh, They told me when I got there, uh, because my white blood cell count was 80,000 instead of 5,000 when I got my blood work done, that if I wouldn't have come in that day, that I wouldn't have lived till my next, to that next appointment. 
because my blood cells had already gone up 20,000 just since the morning when I had my blood work done. So everything was just getting thicker and thicker. Well, it's just a miracle that you got in when you did. I mean, that's definitely God <laughs> had his hand upon your life. There's no question. It was. And just the fact that I hung up on her, she called me back, you know, so many things mm-hmm. lined up perfectly. And on my way there, I called um, my husband, you know, called the doctor and got some clarity since I was kind of in shock. And I said, got in the car, I said, how many, how long do you think I'll be at the hospital? And he said, 30 days. I was like, excuse me? He said, that's the standard protocol for leukemias, 30 days in the hospital. I couldn't believe it, you know? And so we just were stunned and shocked for quite, quite a while. Wow. I can't imagine the swirl of emotions that you were feeling Mm -hmm. during that time. You know, not only the shock, but what else were you, what else were you feeling during that time? What are some of the other emotions that really seemed to be swirling? during that time. Oh man. Well, obviously it was very scary. Mm -hmm. I don't really, I remember my husband being very afraid. I was really in shock and felt like I was kind of a third party observing this. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of a funny thing. I, you know, I like to keep things sort of light, even when you're talking about cancer, but when I first got in there, the doctors came in and of course we're going, what is going on? My husband said, this is crazy. I mean, she's in good health. She eats good. She exercises. She did two half marathons last year, blah, blah, blah. Just kept going on and on. Well, that's what he said. What they wrote down was she runs marathons. (laughs) (laughs) And I only did the first half marathon because it was in California with my sister-in-law for her birthday. And so I could, I knew I could get to California if I could just manage to eat out a half marathon. Yeah. Well, that's that was, maybe that's how I, you know, when I first time I saw your face, I thought you looked familiar. Maybe have you been on Wheaties like a box of Wheaties or something, yeah, the breakfast much. of champions. So <laughs> Yeah, so that was funny. So for the rest of that got in my chart somehow. So Oh, that's funny. Every time the doctors came in, they would tell me, "You don't you worry. We're going to get you running those marathons again in no time." And I was thinking, "Uh, no, thank you, friend. I already did." the most running I'm probably ever going to do in my life. Wow. It was just, it was a funny. How many days did you actually end up spending there in the hospital? Um, actually, I think I was there about 35 days. Mm-hmm. I went through my chemo. Okay. But then at the end of about midway through, I got a secondary infection. Uh, my white blood cells had clogged up a spot in my intestine so much so that I do remember saying, I look like I'm going to have a baby. And then that's all I remember. And I woke up a week later intubated in ICU. Mm-hmm. So wow. that was definitely not part of the protocol. And I woke up, I couldn't sit up. I couldn't roll over. I couldn't talk. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I couldn't take a shower by myself. I had to go home. I went home maybe a week after that with a shower chair and a walker. And I was 45 years old. I lost every bit of my muscle in a week. Mm-hmm. It was the weirdest, craziest thing. And my hair, they had to shave my head immediately because it was a giant, big, giant dreadlock. You know, there was no, let's have a shave your head party or anything. It was just, yeah, that's not going to be brushable. I've seen some of the pictures of when you mm-hmm. were in the hospital and I see you today and it's like, it's hard to just imagine, mm-hmm. you know, because you look 
so healthy and, and so, you know, you've had now a few years and life has turned around for you. Mm. Can you, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to push in where it's, it's too private, but what was kind of your you know lowest, what, Mark, what was really your lowest? I don't very many private, <laughs> private uh, areas in my soul. That's my whole books are me just spilling it. So ask whatever you want. What was, what was like the lowest point? Do you remember a day or a time when it was like, you almost had to look up to see down. I mean, was, was there a day or a moment or occasion that you felt like you were just at, you were at the end of it? Yeah. I think that the thing, what's interesting is that, you know, the denial about death runs really deep in us, I think, because I have no recollection except for one time of ever thinking that I might die from, from this. But apparently, while I was on medication, <laughs> I told several different people that I thought I was going to die. Or I asked my friend to take care of my kids. Wow. I don't remember that at all. So it's very strange to me that I don't remember feeling like I was going to die. But I told people when I was on drugs <laughs> that I thought I was going to die. And I told my son this once because um, my friend had told me the story that she, when I was, before I was intubated, I couldn't breathe. So my stomach was so pressed up against my lungs. So I was in a special unit and she came in to see me. And when my, she told me this after the fact, I don't remember any of it, but when my dad left the room, I pulled her close to me cause I couldn't talk cause I was of my lack of breath and said, I think I'm dying. And she said, Oh, I don't think you're going to die. And she said, I told you that, but I actually thought you might be right. And I, she said, was there, is there anything I can do for you? And she meant more like, do you need some water? Do you need a blanket? And I said, I need you to take care of my kids. Yeah. And I, I thought, this is a saddest story because it doesn't even resonate that it was me saying that, yeah. you know? I'm- and uh, I told my son this after she told me the story. I told my son, I'm like, listen to this. This is so sad that I said this. And he said, well, yeah, you also thought dad and the doctors were trying to kill you. I'm like, what? He said, when you were in ICU, every time dad would leave the room, you'd say, I think he's trying to kill me. Or the nurses would leave and I'd say, I think they're trying to kill me. And he's like, I'm pretty sure they're not trying to kill wow. me. So that was morphing on that. But um, so, yeah, so at what point did you start the writing, the blogging? Mm-hmm. Where, where along in this journey did you start that? Well, right after I was diagnosed, um, my parents and Blake's parents all happened to be together in California. Blake's parents were, had just, um, he was retiring from ministry um, in Arkansas, where he'd been for 15 years or so. And they were out visiting my parents because they were good friends. And so when we called them to tell them, they were all together. And so the next day, of course, my mom flew in and probably within a couple of days, she bought me an iPad. This is my, actually, this is my little iPad that Still she bought have me. it. Neat. And, um, it, then my other friend bought me a keyboard to it. Mm-hmm. So we started this blog. Um, another gal started the WordPress blog just to update people on the status of my cancer. Cause it was so abrupt and the people right. really couldn't come see me. Cause I was neutropenic and which means I could catch anything. I had no immune system. Um, And so for, at first, then Blake was kind of updating people, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, you can only talk so long about how terrible cancer is. So I just started, I do a lot of daily readings every day, like Jesus calling, 
my utmost Oswald Chambers, my utmost yes. is highest. And my brain can really only handle about that much at a time, you know, like a little tiny daily reading. So my blogs kind of became almost like a daily writing. Mm-hmm. And I would just write something, uh, observations. I, I view it sort of like Seinfeld, you know, it's a show about nothing. You know, my blog is a blog about nothing, but also <laughs> about everything. Yes, right. Anything I see, the trauma, the drama, or the minutia, those I observe what's going on and then I I write about it. So I started to write about that and people were started responding and saying, you know, I feel kind of bad because you're the one with cancer, but you're encouraging me when I read this. I, I feel the same way about some of these things you're talking about. So I just kept going. And then the first, my first book, um, oh, I forgot. When We're not it? on video. I was going to show it to you. <laughs> That's but all right. What was, my, what was the year that that came out, your first one? That one came out in 2018. Okay. But my first entry was March 29th. So I didn't get out of the hospital till March 1st. And the first entry in my book is from March 29th. Mm-hmm. And my point in that really is that I want to encourage people that you can still help others even while you're still sick, mm-hmm. whatever your disease is. So right. we all have these, I write a lot about the common plagues of the heart, like worry, fear, resentment, mm-hmm. image management, control. That's a big one for me. And comparison. And we all struggle with these chronic plagues of the heart. Absolutely. Yes, we and do. you can, you don't have to be, all recovered in order to mm-hmm. share your journey and your heart and maybe a few insights God's given you. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to wait till you're better. You just out of your weakness, in the messiness. sometimes out mm-hmm. of your weakness, like Paul, you know, yeah. it, it becomes your strength, you know, yes. when you, when oh, you... absolutely. No one wanted to listen to one thing I used, I had to say <laughs> when I was a pastor's wife for 20 years, I led yeah. multiple women's groups I've spoken at different events, but nobody really engaged with me because it was like, okay, a few months ago, I struggled with this. I did X, Y, and Z, and I'm all better now. And ta-da, now you can do what I did. Whereas now, you know, if I go to drop, you know, at the time I was struggling with some severe resentments from some people um, that had, I felt had betrayed and hurt our family. And I still had to go drop my kids off at school with and see these people. And I would go home and write, you know, today I thought all I have to do is just, you know, turn my wheel a little bit to the left and down she goes, you know, like I'm restraining <laughs> myself from running them over with my car. I would write about that that day. And, and people want to know that you're broken and fearful and whatever while you're in it, not right. when you get all better and cleaned up. Yeah. And how the grace of God is there in a, in those yes. times of our brokenness. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So today, tell us about where Heather is today and what, what's happening in your life. And tell us a little bit too about how do we can, people can get a hold of your books, how they can follow your blog, kind of, kind of mm-hmm. give us some information here as we get close okay. to the end. Well, yeah, my second book just came out. Um, in November. And again, it's just like the next chunk of blogs. I write every week. So if you go to heathercarterwrites.com, 
you can read, um, first of all, you can sign up to get any new posts just emailed to you. So if you're not a social media Facebook person where I post them, you can just have them come into your email. But the other thing I love about my site that um, my friend has helped me set up. Well, she doesn't help me. I've let her set it up because I'm very bad at those types of things. <laughs> sure. I understand that. Yeah, right. I just gave her the, the instructions, but it's category. You can browse by category. Mm-hmm. So there's probably 30 plus categories in there. So at any given point, if you're struggling with mm-hmm. comparison or resentment or forgiveness, image management, uh, control, all those worry, fear, anxiety, mm-hmm. you can go and read anything I've ever written about those topics by category. And um, I do that for myself because it sounds weird, but I have to read myself because I realize sometimes I start acting as if I don't believe that God can do it. And then I read myself. I'm like, Oh wait, yes, I do. (laughs) I forgot. I know what to do. That's right. Been here before. And I know he's come through. That's great. It reminds me of what I believe. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, Heather, thank you for being on Hope Along the Journey Day. It's just been a joy to have you, and we'll have to have you back again one of these days. Yeah, I would love to. And, you know, I was going to say also that my books, they're both on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, but one of the things that I do with my books is um, if people are interested in doing a book study, in my new book, there's actually a direction, there's directions in the back of the book about how to use it in a group setting. And I've done a couple trial groups in the past, but if people do buy the book and want to do it as a study, then I offer uh, to zoom in on the first. That's great. First and last session if they want to tell my story and get them kicked off and then revisit maybe at the end. So I will help them launch that and kind of put that into practice if they they want to. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate you being on the podcast today, taking time out of your busy schedule. Friends, thank you for listening to today's episode of Hope Along the Journey. As I say, and mean from the very depths of my heart, Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. If you look to him, he'll help you find hope along life's journey. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more Hope Along the Journey.